Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen who listen to the So You're in Sales podcast, I want to emphatically say to you, it is go time. Restrictions have been lifted in almost every corner of the country. People are going back to work. There's a lot of liquidity in the system and people are going to be wanting to buy things in order to be able to execute on their roles and responsibilities within their own businesses. And it is time for us as salespeople to be ready to meet that demand. And as a result of that, I thought it would be really, really beneficial to bring today's guest onto the show, Steve Benson. Steve is CEO and founder of Badger Maps, which is the number one app in the app store for outside and field salespeople. Steve uh, got his MBA from Stanford and went on to start his career at Google, and he was Google Enterprise's top sales executive in 2009. In 2012, he went on to found Badger Maps for outside and field salespeople to upgrade existing CRMs with mapping, routing, and scheduling, and I, as a field sales rep, really understand the benefit of being able to kind of plot out where it is you need to go in order to be the most effective and efficient version of yourselves. Steve also hosts the Outside Sales Talk podcast, which is also specifically for outside salespeople just like this one. And he's actually president of the Sales Hall of Fame. So check that out. I think he had a lot of really good tidbits to share. And I think that you're going to be able to get some value from this episode. Give it a listen. All right, here we are. Yet another episode of the So You're in Sales podcast. My name is Roger Burnett, and I have the great fortune to introduce Mr. Steve Benson, who is the CEO of Badger Maps, to the So You're in Sales podcast. Steve, welcome. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We were saying this was one of the longest intervals between deciding to have a podcast and actually recording a podcast. So we appreciate your patience in being willing to speak to the people. But boy, in the time between you and I starting to think about having a podcast and today, my goodness, how things have changed, especially here in the state of Michigan. As of June 22nd, we have had all restrictions 
as it pertains to COVID will be uh, lifted as of next Tuesday. So I believe that this makes the conversation that you and I are going to have even that much more germane because with the lifting of said restrictions kind of opens up what we anticipate to be kind of the wild west of what will be the sales environment for your average salesperson. So this is going to be a really timely and relevant discussion for us. So Steve, I'm really, really grateful that you were willing to come on and talk a little bit about your experience when it comes to what it has to do with uh, this topic we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, why don't you just give a little humble brag on Badger Maps, what it's all about, and maybe why it would be pertinent to the people who would be listening to the show. For sure. So uh, I, I started Badger Maps about 10 years ago. And what Badger does is it's an application for field salespeople. We, uh, we do a variety of uh, tasks for field salespeople in an app on their phone or on their computer. Um, things like building a route for the day, figuring out their schedule and timing, given all the places they're going to be going, all the meetings they're going to have helping figure out which customers they should be focused on and gathering data. And uh, then when, when we're connected to their CRM system, we'll send the data back to their CRM automatically to kind of update that CRM from the field, from their phone, right out of their workflow that they're already out in the field doing. So we, we do a bunch of things to kind of save them time, save them time behind the wheel, save them, save them time doing busy work, and, and generally make a, a field a field salesperson more effective, more efficient, more successful. And given that people will be actually able to go out and do the things that you just talked about, what timely and relevant information that is, because this is really about scale. And we've been talking about this a lot on the show lately when it comes to as we reemerge from what has been just a kick in the teeth as salespeople, you know, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand on both sides of the transaction for the kind of energy and activity that maybe we were used to. And yet I think you and I both agree that it might look a little bit different than it has in the past. No, the world has changed. Um, and, and I think that we're, we're looking at a, different, a slightly different world than we were um, a little while back. There's new challenges. There's new opportunities. A lot of businesses look different today. And a lot of people are thinking about things differently. And you know, the quintessential, one-liner that people always use when talking about sales is people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And really what we're talking about is relationship building. And boy, that took on a whole different tenor during the pandemic when it came to our ability to be able to build those types of relationships. So what have been some of the things that you have seen kind of in this COVID era, Steve, when it came to trying to build relationships through things like a Zoom screen and things like that? Well, I, I think that uh, it is a lot harder to to build a uh, build a relationship through through a Zoom through a Zoom screen. I think your relationships with your customers do change um, in in bad economic times or challenging economic times in general. Um, you know, I think a lot of people talk about how you need a lot more empathy in times like this, which I think is definitely. Uh, which is almost a little obvious, but, but, you know, we all have one more thing in common and it's important to put yourself in, in the other person's shoes and know how, how things have been affecting them. People may feel less trust, less customer loyalty than, uh, than especially if they're building new relationships over a zoom screen than they would have, uh, been able to experience in, in person. I think that's really, that's resulted that and the economic uncertainty combined have 
have elongated a lot of sales cycles. So salespeople, you know, they they that ends up playing out and that they're doing the same amount of work with while closing fewer deals. My hope is the thing as things open up here, it's going to compress some sales cycles, especially and kind of end, bring to an end some of those sales cycles that have been dragging on, and so it's going to give us a little jump start uh, in economic activity for a lot of salespeople. I write a once monthly blog for uh, an industry publication. I like to try to make the titles be uh, the titles of the blog mimic songs that I really like. And uh, one of the ones that I wrote recently was the waiting is the hardest part. And you're, you're hitting it exactly on the head. What I witness as a salesperson is there's just been this excruciatingly long extension of the intervals between decisions on the customer side. And a lot of that has to do with uncertainty because unlike in the past, when a mistake in decision-making on the customer side could be forgivable now, either, you know, if somehow that is um, uh, uh, a decision that could ultimately hurt the organization financially, that might be something that you can't recover from. Or if it's a decision that's not consistent with your brand, there may be people out there in the community of buyers who may have originally wanted to do business with you, but as a result of that mistaken messaging that you make, you may not be able to recover from that. So I know that you know we were talking about this kind of prior before we came onto the show that the need for uh, a pivot in messaging might be necessary. What would have been some of the things that you're seeing in messaging that are a reflection of that need in a down economy? You'll you need to change your messaging from something along the lines of "We'll help you do better." So if you just you know, go to most, a lot of B2B companies, websites, you'll see some form of messaging along those lines will help you do better. You know, depending on what the industry is, they'll it's better at a lot of different things. But, um, I think this messaging works fine in a good economy, but if things are a challenging economy, you, you may want to give that, that messaging a little tweak and change it to, we'll help you do more with less. And then you need to go about as in your sales cycle, showing your prospects exactly how much in terms of dollars you'll help them do more with less. Could be less money, could be less manpower, could be well, fewer resources. But uh, I, mean, I, I can use myself as an example here, right? So when times were good, my my messaging was. At Badger Maps, we'll help you sell 20% more with your field sales team. So kind of classic, we'll help you do better. Who do we help better field sales teams? How much do we help you better? 20%. And then the, you know, the, the features would discuss how, you know, how we help go about helping you. you know, where, where do we help you? That messaging in a down economy needs to shift. And so what we shifted it to is we'll help you do more with less. So with Badger Maps... We'll help your outside sales team generate the same revenue, even though your team is 20% smaller. And, and we've played with other types of messages, like even though it's 20% harder to sell, or even though you have less, you know, fewer resources. But, but generally, it's, it's shifting from we'll help you do better to we'll help you do more with less. And there's a huge difference between these two messages, even though, you know, they're saying basically the same thing, right? But in a challenging economy, one of these messages resonates way more with customers. Think about the economy prior to the pandemic. I mean, if you were an able-bodied American, you could have a job. There was 
absolutely no precursor for you to prevent you from, if you wanted employment, there was employment to be had. And the pandemic really put the brakes to all of that. And by giving yourself the opportunity to reimagine your business in that moment, what you were really doing was giving yourself a unique chance to look at the different aspects of how you went about doing the work that you actually used to do because you have all of these resources that were taken away from all of us. So you could get a chance to reimagine your business. So the way I used to position it was if you had a vendor that maybe wasn't really getting the job done, but you didn't really have time to evaluate a new vendor to replace that one with, well, this was a great opportunity to do that. If you had a person in one of those chairs that maybe wasn't doing the best job, but you just didn't have time to really go source a new candidate to replace that person, that opportunity exists today in what is one of the most wide open job markets you've ever seen. If there was a disruption opportunity, be it by a new piece of technology or a new piece of equipment that you might purchase, what better time to make that purchase than in a down economy because the people who were selling that product probably were willing to give you a screaming deal on what it was that you might've been buying from them. So all of these things in combination were giving you the opportunity to really rethink your business in a way that if you were being disrupted in the past by a competitor in your marketplace, you really could go back to the shed and kind of retool things to give you an opportunity to maybe mitigate some of that disruption that you were experiencing. And if you didn't do that work, and we just told you that next Tuesday in the state of Michigan, at least that it's game on again. Well, if there were comp competitors of yours in your marketplace who did that work, now you're going to be at a significant disadvantage because you didn't spend that same time that they did trying to figure out how to retool yourself in a way that's going to be best suited for whatever this next growth phase is of the economy is going to be. And one of those things I think you can still do whether you're the leader of a sales organization that has multiple employees within it, or if you're a solopreneur who's kind of responsible for the hunting and the killing and the skinning, is there an element of like, if you were to pinpoint a very specific area that you were going to coach people on, or you wanted people to be thinking about for themselves that they really need to be mindful of, is there something in particular you'd want to call out? It's really important to up-level your, your team's skills, whenever things are tough or, or, or really, I mean, all the time, great, the great leaders are, are always looking to make their team better and maximize their personal growth, professional growth. Um, I believe that managers of people should be spending about 50% of their time just coaching their team, improving their skills, making them better. In, in the case of selling and sales, as you mentioned, I think the, the key areas to think about right now are pre-call strategizing, post-call debriefing, any opportunity-specific coaching. So, really getting in the field and and working with your with your sales team on an individual level, deal by deal, and helping them bring deals across the across the line. Those are those, those, all those things are, are a worthwhile activity, and they all count towards that rule of thumb of fifty percent of your time should be spent on coaching if you're a leader. I guess in terms of what needs to be coached, and obviously this depends on your team and on your industry, but um, I think negotiation is specifically a, a really important thing to be thinking about right now for everyone. Uh, defending your margins is, is, is obviously critical in these times, and negotiation is a big part of that. 
and, and everyone can kind of freshen up on those skills at any time, right? Pipeline building, I think, especially as, uh, as we re-enter the world here, getting, a whole, getting enough deals going that you can be successful, um, especially in a time when, uh, when there's a lot of uncertainty and it's unclear if some of these deals are going to not close all that quickly. I think pi- having a thick pipeline now is, is really important. So pipeline building is probably a thing to coach. And we all need to kind of rethink how we're prospecting and how we're going to market because the in a, in a new economy, sometimes who your ideal customer is has shifted a little bit. And sometimes it's shifted a lot depending on your industry and, and what you're, who you're selling to. It, it can be, you know, the best person, the best type of customer or best size of customer can shift. And, and a lot of times you, you can have the, the smallest sales cycles, the shortest sales cycles and get the best deals. If you're really able to focus on the, the customers that your, your product or service is best suited for, which I think is a, you know, to some degree an obvious statement, but it, people, you'll see people chasing wild deals all the time that, that never close and have super long sales cycles because they're just, they're not aiming at the right target. But I think it is a, it's a time to, that training is really important. Coaching is really important. It's time to sharpen our weapons and, and get out there and hunt. And food might, as you mentioned, it was easier before food, you know, for a hunter, food was easier to come by, but now we've, we've got to, uh, and, and there were a lot of teams that were just kind of coasting along, along and maybe they were farmers at that in, in those times, but the, the locusts have come and eaten all of our crops. And so we've got to really, uh, pull out our bows and arrows and, and get out there and, and into the woods and, and hunt up some new deals. Two of the vertical markets that we had focused on pre-COVID were uh, food and bev and hospitality. So in many instances, like what happened with us, those choices on where we would focus our activities were forced upon us. We didn't have the luxury of being able to continue to try to build our client base in those two categories because largely they were shut down. And what it did for us was it brought some clarity to where we were actually really good in the places that there were still opportunities to the point where I'm not saying we're not going to try to return to those previous two vertical markets we, we want to, we're desperate to. But what it gave us the opportunity is like, for instance, in the craft brew market, alcohol sales skyrocketed during the pandemic. So there was a lot of opportunity for us to be able to help those breweries and those distilleries be able to recognize how they could best compete for the dollars that were available to them. Because for in a lot of ways, it was a feeding frenzy by being able to give them the uh, skills and the tools necessary to be able to stand out in what was a very noisy marketplace at that moment. What we were really doing was we were building credibility for ourselves in that category for the long term because we've given ourselves a chance now to be able to, for future prospects in that space, we can point to the solutions we were able to bring to bear during COVID for those marketplaces and the subsequent results that happened as a result of us being able to do that. And so that clarity that we were able to develop by virtue of just the sheer repetition of what we were doing in that moment has really, it's done a lot of what you're talking about. It's changed our messaging. It's changed our approach. It's changed some of our prospecting even because we were able to grow our credibility in that vertical market during that period. So we feel a lot more confident in our ability to be able to say to someone, look, like our solution is very valuable to you. And let me explain to you why, regardless of whether it was the pre COVID economy or the post COVID economy, I don't think that that marketplace is going to suddenly magically suffer. And because of that, we feel very, very um, grateful and gratified to have had that opportunity to do it. 
On the flip side of that, for those of us who are considering this to be a growth phase for our business, because there are so many potential employee prospects out there, how do you think that this has changed the way that recruiting might happen, given what we've seen in the interim here? Yeah, I think uh, I think this has definitely impacted the way companies need to go think about recruiting and go to market. Uh, to, I think it's a great time to recruit. Um, you know, the market for hiring great salespeople has has been really bad for years. It's been hard to great. You know, it's hard, been hard to hire great salespeople and great people in general. I, I think has been it's been a tough hiring time. And uh, in, you know, right now, I think times have never been better. Um, they'll probably tick up again towards the end of this year to, you know, things will kind of kick into gear even higher when, uh, as people reenter the workforce as, uh, as kind of the, uh, unemployment benefits evaporate in September. So I think there, for certain, depending on what industry you you're in now is either a really hard time to hire or a really good time to hire. Um, if you're hiring professionals, then it's a really, it's a great time to hire. There, you know, there's so many talented people out there that who's, the businesses they work for have been damaged. They, they were furloughed or laid off as things tightened up and became more challenging. They, they became less successful. And, and you, you do need as a leader to, to replace people with, with, uh, people that will succeed even in tougher times. And, um, you know, I think as a, as a manager, you, you know, who, who those people are, and that's a, a a challenging part of the job, but, but definitely a part of the job. It's all about resilience, right? You're looking for who, who can withstand when things, when the chips get down. Yeah, absolutely. Resilience, curiosity, hard work. I mean, these things are all so important right now. Um, empathy is, you know, and, and so you may need to retool your organization to some degree. Um, but from, and how do you, from a recruiting perspective, I mean, your job postings need to be very specific about what you're looking for so you can attract the right people into the role. I think qualification of candidates is really important. Um, you want to, I think you want a wide funnel, but, uh, or a wide net, but then do quick and early cutting in that funnel. So I, I think a lot of people, uh, are too focused and they cut out too many people by, by saying, Oh, I need, a college degree of this level and seven years of experience and an MBA from an Ivy league school. And, you know, if you don't need something for a role, don't ask for it because you eliminate a lot of people that would be successful. And I think people tend to put too many requirements in job recs and, and they're, and therefore sh- greatly shrink the pool of people that they can get a lot, half the time they end up hiring someone who didn't have that requirement anyway, but just ignored your requirements. But it's better, I think, to just have fewer requirements, have a wider net, and have have quick, short conversations at the at the front end, and, and get a ton of applications, and you know, give them a five minute sniff test, even, uh, or have have someone on your HR team or, or recruiting team do that for you. Obviously, um, have too many applicants, and then then uh, then advance the ones that really sound like a, a better fit. I've seen, seen and heard a lot of my clients lamenting not being able to fill open positions to the point where they're feeling like their top line revenue numbers are going to be impacted for the year because they could have done more. They could have sold more. They would have been able to fill those jobs more quickly. And for me, you know, uh, where I come out on this debate is it's not necessarily the specifics of the job that may be keeping people away from wanting to fill that role for you. It's because the organization's done a really bad job of expressing what it is that they're all about when it comes to actually being an employee of the organization. And 
a lot of that has to do with going back to pre-COVID because things were booming. Not many organizations had time to invest in that messaging in a way that they could express to that particular candidate what it was like to even just be part of that organization. And now, because on the other side of the transaction, that potential candidate is taking a little bit deeper look into what it's going to mean to be an employee of the organization. And so it's created this gap for a lot of people in that you have open roles and there are people who would probably be capable and willing to fill that seat for you, but they're so concerned about making a bad choice in the next place that they're going to work because they've spent this time on the sidelines really considering what's important to them. So it's giving them some clarity of what it is that they're looking for in a potential employer. And if you've not done the work to be able to explain to them how what it is about working for you is going to fill that part of what's important to them, that may very well be the reason why you've not been able to fill those positions. And I think you know, there's a lot of focus and attention that should be paid to that so that even if you are successful in filling that role, my expectation is you're going to see a lot of these, like, I'll come in for 90 days and then move on because, yeah, I realize now that this is not a good fit for me. And on the employee side of things, people are going to be a little bit more choosy about what it is that they want to do from a who they work for perspective. Yeah, and investing in recruiting is so important and investing in who you're bringing into your organization. And if you if you invest and do a good job of it and have a good recruiting process, you lose fewer people and then therefore need to work less than you're recruiting because you've just done a better job of it. And I think people don't realize this is a a double opt-in process and I think in given that it's hard to, it's a hard time to hire people in certain roles right now it's worth rethinking this because if you have if you really know your recruiting process then it's a double opt-in you bring people in who are a good fit not only do they perform well but they're they're a good fit and they stay and so you end up needing to do less recruiting you usually have better sales results because that turnover is so expensive Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a good thing if they leave in 90 days. It's worse if they leave in two years, right? That's just when they got great. I think it's oh, hard for anyone yeah. to be truly great at anything in less, less than a couple of years. I mean, I, I try to hire people for life, basically, right? Like, and if you treat people well and, give them and, and create an environment where they can be happy and successful and develop, then, then uh, you, know, you really you, you, you build a great organization and people don't leave and therefore you have to spend less less time on, on recruiting. So having that recruiting process down is so important. And I think it's for sales leaders and for every other type of leader, it's worth rethinking your recruiting process and and rethinking about what kind of rep needs you need on the team to be successful in this economy and adjusting your recruiting process to be focused on that rep, you know, make sure you're marketing to the types of applicants that are going to meet those, those requirements and and those specific, those really specific things that you need for the organization. Um, and that starts the great job posting that's very clear and outlines what the applicant needs to have and, and, and what, who they need to be, as you said, describes your company and, and why it's so great to work there and who, who it's, who it's, it's not great for everyone to work there. Who is it great for, to work at? Like what type of person and why, why should, you know, you have to say things that will resonate with people if, if they're the right kinds of people having tests that prove then you know ch- you know challenges that you can give people in real time that prove that they're going to be able to perform the job uh, you know you give that to a candidate throughout the process is another really important thing because you want to be able to evaluate people's 
performance in an objective way. And, you know, if it's a salesperson, have them pitch, have them negotiate with you. Whatever skills that you identify as being really important for them to be successful, you want to make sure they can prove to you that they have it and not just have the experience that would indicate that they would have it, but also, but more importantly, I think is make them prove it. I guess finally I'd think about onboarding, right? What having people under invest, I think in their onboarding process. And I've really tried, I really try to do, have our team do a great job of bringing people into the organization, educating them. And it's harder in these times, especially for people that aren't in the office. You know, a lot of these, this learning historically has just happened by osmosis. And I think a lot of recruiting hires today and onboarding processes aren't going as well because there's not that office environment where people are just automatically learning. So you have to kind of rethink about how can I onboard people in a way that's going to make them successful in, uh, in these times, especially if we're, if you're remote. A lot of the work that we're doing with clients right now is how do you extend corporate culture into a distributed work environment? And it's, it's going to be paramount in importance if in this post COVID situation, you're going to not bring everybody back in. You're going to need a really strong strategy to be able to have those people who are not going to be a part of the day-to-day activities inside your four walls to still feel like they're a part of what it is that the organization is trying to accomplish. So final question, my friend, we've talked a lot about trends and things that we're seeing. I'm going to give you a chance to crack open your crystal ball here. What's the single biggest trend you think is going to lead in importance here in the post-COVID economy? I guess I'm kind of a unique position because I can see data on 5,000 companies that have field sales teams. Um, I can see, you know, what they're doing, how, what, you know, how many meetings in the field they're having through their check-in behavior. You know, uh, I can see what's going on out there. And it's been interesting to watch this last year as, as things have, uh, have been changing. We've seen a big uptick in activity. I mean, I guess this is obvious, but massive uptick in activity in the last, like, Three three months really since since Marchish things have really changed. I think, uh, and people talked about how things are changing in January, but I think they actually changed by by March. We have seen across the board about a twenty percent decline in meetings that sales reps were able to are are able to execute from pre COVID, and I think that does vary by industry. But um, so you know, it's been unevenly distributed, I guess, across our data. So, and I think that means that some industries have been more hobbled by this uh, than others, or maybe that there's fewer meetings to lay people off, or they brought new people on now who who don't do the job as well. But I think you know my I guess in terms of predictions, I think as you know as we've seen everyone get vaccinated or you know you know I think we're seeing people feel safer and things open up and I think there will be there will be people that this has a longer term psychological impact on and and they will be more hesitant to fully re-enter the world. I think we're going to see workforce changes where some people aren't comfortable being in in, in those types of social spaces anymore. It may shift the economy to some degree, like will bars be as full? I don't know. Um, on the other hand, we may have a, a roaring, tw- uh, you know, our, our version of the roaring 20s, right? I mean, that people forget that in the, you know, 1918, 1919, they had a really nasty pandemic, and then the 20s happened, and they were wild times. You know, the booze yeah. was flowing, and people were partying, and, and uh, there was a ton of ac- economic activity, and there was a big ramp up. 
So maybe we'll see that as well. So I, I think it can, it'll go one of two. I think it, for some people it'll be that and other people it'll be, you know, they've kind of, uh, they've crawled into their shell and it'll be hard to get out of their shell. So I think it's, it's going to be person by person. It's going to be a roller coaster regardless. So buckle in, put your straps on, make sure you put your shoulder harnesses on because they're going to be really steep hills and really fast valleys. And it will be one hell of a ride. Steve, I really appreciate you coming in and uh, sharing some of your data-driven expertise here. You get to see a lot of what's going out there in the field on a day-in and day-out basis. So we appreciate you coming in and giving us some of your insight. Absolutely. Well, this has been really fun to come on the show and, and, uh, and chat with you. So there you have it. Depending on what you've done to prepare yourself, you're either sitting there freaking out over what you've not done or frothing at the bit, can't wait to get out there and make this happen because you've prepared yourself, you've done all the work that's necessary, you've reimagined your messaging, and you are good to go. In either event, the economy is not waiting for you. So if you haven't done it, it doesn't mean that you don't have an opportunity to still make things happen. It just means that you need to spend some time, focus in on what's going to be different about what you're going to say to people and the ways that your business has changed in the last year and a half. But nonetheless, the economy is ready for you and you need to be ready for it. So I hope that you got some value from this. If you need to go back and re-listen to it one more time with a little bit of a more critical ear and see if there are things that you can use from this episode to help you recalibrate and retool the things that you're going to want to look at in order to make sure that you're going to have the best opportunity possible to be successful now that the economy is back open for business. If you think there's anybody else out there that you know that would benefit from hearing what Steve had to say, please, by all means, share this episode around. And if there are specific parts of what you heard that you think resonate more than anything else in the comments on social media, please share that stuff. Talk to us about it so that we can hear what it is that is resonating in the listenership. And we look forward to the next opportunity to bring another high quality guest to the So You're In Shales podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe. Write us a review. Apple Podcasts loves up on us when we get reviews, so please don't be shy in doing that. And we look forward to another episode of the So You're In Sales Podcast in two weeks.